Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of the Kinky Boys podcast. So this month we are talking about cat play and kitty play. Uh, I didn't know when this would be dropping it would be right at the start of the year of the tiger but that's a happy coincidence and I really enjoyed this interview. It gets a lot into the dynamics of the pet play community and really dives into a sort of underrepresented corner of that. Uh, before we begin, I would like to thank our Patreons for making this possible. I'd particularly like to thank our Daddy's Favourite tier. So, Banjo Stewie, Nick Bain, Adam Ferris, Deco Very, Connor Bone, Brian C and Harry Hypnotist. You are Daddy's Favourites. Guys, I really would advise you to sign up to our Patreon. It's been brilliant. I've been doing chats on our Patreon-only Discord uh, every week. It's been so great getting to know you guys. Um, we're using the Discord to run D&D games now. Uh, so it's a really good community to be part of. I'm really proud of what we've done there. And of course, you've got the bonus episodes for our £5 a month tier. So please consider signing up. It would be a huge, huge help to me in my life right now. Thank you. And with that being said, on with the show. Hello and welcome again to the Kinky Boys podcast. I'm Craig and today Arza is joining me and we are interviewing Felinex who is going to talk to us about cat play. This is a topic I've wanted to explore for a while and I think he's a fascinating guy who can give really good uh, information on it. So hello Felinex. Hey, how are you, how are you surviving? Oh, well, you know, getting by. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the global answer to everything is I'm fine, Twitch. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all okay. I think I think one of the best answers I've heard is pandemic fine. Normally I'd be falling apart, but under the circumstances I'm fine. That that makes so much sense. I'm going to start using that. I'm pandemic fine. <laughs> so yeah, we wanted you on here today to talk about cat play like what it is, how you discovered it, and just some bits about yourself, because you've got a fascinating catalogue of sort of roles you play, fetishes you do, and I just thought it would be great to have you on to talk about this. Oh, is that why I'm here? <laughs> yes, I've lured you in. I thought there was going to be cake. The cake is a lie. Apparently. So, yes. <laughs> so, let's get started with the very first basic question. What is cat play? It's a very good question. <laughs> so whenever I talk about these things, I always like to preface, like, uh, I am going to make generalized statements. I'm going to make statements about what, what it is to me. But ultimately, kink is what you make of it. It is something that should work for you. It should fit what you expect and what you want, not the other way around. It shouldn't be that you have to conform to what you mm -hmm. think that kink is. It's very important to me that I make that yeah. clear. But at its base core, cat play is, or, or kitten play is, it's a form of just animal human role play and where one person at the very minimum is taking on the role of a feline, whether it's feral and or inter-animal like a hunter prey mm -hmm. Or one of one of the things I like is like just bullying dogs, just <laughs> generally being a bully to dogs because you know that plays into our expected archetypes about what cats are. Um, and then like there's also the you know human human pet dynamic where mm -hmm. you know one person is the cat and the other person is a human or some other form of you know quote unquote higher being yeah so so i want to dig into that bit first because i know with pup play there's sort of a very clear sort of structure of how you treat a dog and how that can play into a submissive or even dominant mindset with like alpha dogs how does one go about doing pet play with a cat persona i think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that it's just bratting Right. And the thing to remember is that a cat doesn't brat. 
Uh, a mm-hmm. brat rebels against authority because they want to feel that authority come mm-hmm. back down on them. They want to be dominated. They, they want to feel that come back. A cat refuses to acknowledge and therefore legitimize your tyrannical regime. For for a cat, a, a cat is generally a a a monarch in exile, enduring <laughs> enduring with grace the hospitality of. Uh, the occupying forces companion um, on their terms yes so like lines of like what is dominance and what is submission get kind of blurry with cats and it's one of the things i like to play with and why i like cat play mm-hmm. so much is because there's so much wibbliness and it's it's fun for me yeah like i've noticed we'll get onto the specifics later but you do a lot to play around with expectations of what a sub does and what a dom does which i quite like i love that sort of stuff yeah i mean it's fun to be able to take something and turn it around and and examine Mm -hmm. it and say hmm you know we use this as a hammer but what if we used it as a lever (laughs) yeah so when doing cat plays a sort of pet play idea it deals a lot with so you're not immediately submissive you're aloof i imagine yeah i mean there's a a... so you're kind of resistant to the dom not not a hundred percent all the time i i like to say that cats are sundere Mm -hmm. which is a term from the anime fandom which Mm -hmm. means basically hot and cold it's the you know when the the female love interest the the male love or the male character says something or like that rejects the the female and she's like well i didn't even want to hang out with you anyway i don't i don't know what you're talking about i I don't like you (laughs) yeah cats are they are aloof but they are Mm -hmm. also like very attentive they just aren't always so cats are attentive, but also aloof. And what we view as those qualities come because we as humans have certain expectations for how a pet should act. Mm-hmm. And cats do not follow those expectations. There's this whole like evolutionary theory that cats actually domesticated humans because they lack certain traits that all other domesticated creatures have. Oh, wow. Like literally cats are theorized to have just like come upon human settlements realized if they didn't attack the humans, they could just hang out and eat all the rats they wanted. And the humans were like, yeah. Oh, these, these wild animals, if we don't like attack them, they'll just like do their own thing and also keep the rats from eating all our grain. Yeah. Which seems logical. Uh, like someone said to me, the thing about dogs is they are bred to love us and we can demand affection from them on our own terms. We take affection from dogs. Whereas with cats, cats can be affectionate, but it's always on their terms. Cats know how to stand up for themselves and their own personal space. And on a personal note, like someone once said, cats are basically autistic people in the fact that they don't react to affection in the same way you would expect but that doesn't mean they don't have affection. It just means they express it in a way that's particular to them and their boundaries and their comfort. I have, yeah, I have had these similar thoughts. Also, the eye contact thing. Mm-hmm. Cats have a different understanding of what eye contact means. Yeah, it's like that is fascinating. Like cats need their own personal space in a way dogs don't. And people always forget that because they just want to take affection from cats whenever they want. Yes. And oftentimes a cat will endure it, but only for so long. And then it's, and then it's done. Yeah. So I think one of the, one of the other reasons like that cat play also uh, is something I identify with is that I am very like a big believer in parallel play. Um, Mm -hmm. The idea of being in a room with others doing activities, but not necessarily interacting with each other. So, you know, like it's usually a term used in like child developmental psychology where, you know, you have, you know, one child coloring in one corner Mm -hmm. and another playing house in the other. And they're 
being social in that, but they aren't doing the same activity. Correctly. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that makes sense. And I can see cat play being good for that. Yeah. I would like to go back. You also said about primal. Yes. So how does cats work in primal play? So there are two different like views mm-hmm. that, or, or roles sort of that I've, that I kind of like personally. One is, you know, the small, innocent domestic cat being preyed upon by the wild animals. And then there's also on the other side, the strong, silent hunter stalking its prey and uh, pouncing. Yeah, I, I can see both of them working well in scenes. Yeah. Like in the primal scene where you can actually, especially if you have a, like a place or a space that you can really do the whole hunting role play, that that would work really well. And I think for me also is a lot of cat play elements I don't necessarily take literally all the time. Mm-hmm. So things like, you know, laser pointers are video games. Yeah. You know, hunting in the wild can also be, you know, hunting in a bar. Like, so... Yeah, so taking... it's like a mindset you yeah. get yourself into. That's pretty cool. So... When did you first sort of discover cat play? Oh gosh, this is a very complicated question. I love asking those. Yes. End of the point so, of an interview. Right. <laughs> I'm just I'm just preparing you for the the, the TED talk to come. <laughs> so when I was in, you know, middle school, high school. I was very much into the anime. One of the common, you know, tropes or character archetypes was the cat girl. Mm-hmm. And showing my penchant for always liking to play with things, I I have some some very cringy cosplay photos from some anime conventions where I was just generic anime cat boy. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and 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 I think part of that stems from growing up. Mm-hmm. We had a cat and we had a dog, and I very much always felt more affection and, and attachment to the cat than yeah. the dog. So there's this like through line throughout my entire life of of just feline affinity. I had basically since I was a teenager also been very interested and in wanting to learn more about kink and the leather scene. The unfortunate thing is that the one person who I knew was in the scene in the small town, well, small-ish town, given by uh, most people's standards, didn't think that I was worth his time. And Mm -hmm. so didn't want to spend any time to introduce me or bring me up or teach me or, or anything like that. So... I didn't actually enter the kink community proper until about 30. Hmm. Well, I know I know a lot of people enter the kink community around 30. It seems to be an age where people get settled enough in themselves to try and tra- start exploring. Yeah, and and I think some of that is that's when when they're exploring on their own. Mm-hmm. They, they come upon the community and they maybe have the resources or connections to actually find it on their own. I wish that I had had an experience like a lot of people I run into seem to have, you know, they're 19 or 20 and they've got gifted leather already and are fawned over and mm-hmm. flown across the country and all these things. And I know I know a lot of that's like the toxic nature of social media. Yeah. But it's it's hard not to also feel like that's a that's a life that I wish I had I had led. But you know, when I started into the community, like I had gone through a breakup. Mm-hmm. And after this breakup, I had just basically said to myself I am not going to pretend to be anybody else anymore. I'm not going to let other people dictate who I am and how I'm going to be. And I'm not going to be afraid of 
saying what I want. And part of that comes from the fact that that relationship was built on a mutual understanding that I liked older guys and he liked younger guys. And Mm -hmm. we would, you know, go hunting on our own and meet back later and share stories. And this kind of like beginning of my sexual liberation, I guess, or queer liberation, as some might also say. Mm -hmm. And then I found a guy on recon and we started talking and I, you know, said, I don't really have any experience. There are some things that interest me, but I'm not really sure about because there aren't like resources because by this point I, I may not know the culture, but I at least am aware of some of the archetypes Yeah, and there's a ton of like puppy play stuff out there. And I look at that and I think, you know, that's not me. Yeah. Uh, it, it does seem to be the thing. All other forms of pet play seem to fall far below pup play. And because pup play is so popular, it has a lot, of, lot more resources and a lot more sort of a set way how to act to be, how to be a puppy. That it's also... You, I was going to say, it's also easier to accommodate than some other types of animal play. Like, for example, pony play. For a lot of people who are haulers or pullers, you need to have a big field. You need to have a cart. You know, the gear outlay tends to be more expensive than a pup hood and paws because a lot of folks I know have to get things with horseshoes and other stuff. The barrier to entry varies. And I've always sort of perceived that cat play comes in somewhere between pony play and puppy play on the scale of like number of members. You'll meet more cats than ponies. But I also think a lot of that is also the barrier to entry in terms of like environment and material need. I think it's also a, a function of which kink community you're, you're running around in. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding that Pony play is a lot more popular in what I refer to as the pansexual kink community, but is largely the, the heterosexual kink community. Yeah. yeah, that's been my experience as well. Whereas the the queer kink community, as I call it, is almost exclusively puppies. There was actually a number of years in which I looked at the kink scene, kind of said, you know, I feel like the closest role I could fill is puppy, but that doesn't feel right to me. Because, you know, I'm not really a slave. I'm not really like any of these other archetypes that that I I, I was seeing at the time. And so I just kind of looked at the fact that the only things I was seeing was dogs and kind of just shrugged my shoulders and said, well, I guess it's not for me. I guess this isn't my, this isn't a community where I'm going to be welcome or wanted. And it took me a couple of years to kind of process this and then at some point start saying, I don't understand why. I don't understand why it's only dogs, why we're only seeing dogs. And because I I think back to like, you know, the anime cat girls Uh and I'm thinking, this is, this is a thing I see. Like I'm certain, like I, I haven't like searched it out. And so I can't really say with certainty about this, but I'm sure I've seen still images on the porn sites of Mm -hmm. girls with the cat ears. So why is, why is that, that it doesn't seem to exist? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do feel like that is changing in recent years. I know several friends who have started to explore cat play and being cat boys. That is fantastic. Yes. I I think the most heartbreaking thing that I end up hearing is when I go to a community where I haven't been visible and vocal before mm-hmm. and I will get like private messages or comments made in group chat about, you know, oh yeah, 
I kind of wish I could have been a cat, but there just isn't any gear and there just wasn't anything for me. So I just, now I'm invested in dogs and I, that's where I am now. (laughs) Sorry. I just love that phrase. I moved moved all my money on the market from dogs to cats and (laughs) some to platinum. Yeah. I sunk it all into NFT pup hoods. But yeah, that, oh, that's a shame because I think, I mean, obviously that's the sunk cost fallacies. Like it's right. never too late to reverse out and try something new, especially if like pet play, you're taking on a persona. No one says you just have to have the one. You can have a pup play persona and then develop a cat play persona. Plus like the gear's easy to get. You get the cat ears off like Etsy or any costume shop will probably have cat ears. Literally um, easier to get cat ears than a dog hood. Yeah, yeah. It seems like, actually, now I'm thinking through it, it seems like it would be cheaper. Cat ears, collar with a bell. Yeah. I don't Isn't it interesting why, even if it's cheaper, people still think that it's not considered legitimate? Yeah, it... Yeah, especially because, like you said, lots of people want to try it. It's just, it doesn't seem like there's... I think part of the trouble is cats don't have as firm an archetype you can buy into as puppies. It sounds like for you there had to be a lot of self-exploration to realize or develop yourself, essentially. I mean, for me, it wasn't necessarily even like sussing out what is cat play like and what it is to me. It was just more about looking at what is there and feeling like this isn't me this doesn't fit me what does yeah and i think if there had been more you know representation or or acknowledgement (laughs) that there was things other than dogs i i probably would have been able to to come to this realization a lot quicker but i was looking at every single queer kink organization related to pet play mm-hmm. and it's all puppies and handlers puppies mm-hmm. and handlers north north star puppy pack every single chicago puppy patrol everything was puppies specifically puppies and it's really hard the analogy that i use is you can't open a music shop name it the violin store and then be surprised when people who play cellos never visit. Yeah. No, I can see that. So have you found any groups that do like focus on cats? Is there like even just like telegram groups or Facebook groups or discord servers that. Yeah, there's, there are a couple groups that I am mm-hmm. uh, a part of that aren't super active. Mm-hmm. I, I think Part of it's because these groups tend to be made up of people across the country rather mm-hmm. than a concentrated yeah. geographic area that you usually get with other puppy-like groups. For example, like the Chicago Puppy Patrol, Badger Paw are the two groups that have fairly active telegram chats near me and isn't a cat scene in these locations there are cats the the hilarious thing is when i come into the scene and i'm just like very vocal about being a cat and people say oh i didn't even know cats were an option and i look at them and say i can name three people who are active in your chat who are cat yeah Uh, And I think this is the thing. I think there just needs to be more knowledge of it, which is part of why I wanted to do this episode. Because I think once people realize that there are others like them and this is an option and they can sort of connect with one another, you start to get this ball rolling and you'll start to see like groups and chats grow and get to a certain like critical mass where they sort of take on a life of their own and then can start to subdivide into more local groups. Yeah, I think it also can be, and there's sort of proof of concept for this, partially because I was so active and vocal and like advocating so hard about, you know, cats are not Mm -hmm. non-existent, dogs aren't the only option. In the Chicago Puppy Patrol chat, I started seeing more cats show up and participate. Oh, that's brilliant. And this past summer, 
they had a club vote and have transitioned to Chicago Pet Patrol. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, So, you know, I I think it it doesn't just have to be we have to make our own space and Mm -hmm. hope people show up. We can also make room for ourselves in the spaces where we have every right to sit at the table. I mean, I can think of nothing more cat-like than that. (laughs) Except with saucers of milk for everyone. Yes. Or isn't that a myth? Doesn't it? Doesn't actual like proper milk give cats a bad stomach? It's it's not great for them, but it depends. If they've been given it since they were kittens, they still have the enzymes to break it down. If there's a lapse in there, they don't. Right. But there's now cat there's cat milk now, which you can buy at the store, which is specially formulated. Specially milked from the right sort of cats. Exactly. Oh, is that a scene you do? Do you do making cat milk scenes? <laughs> I mean, milking is sort of on my list. (laughs) Yeah, because... So I think that's a good entry into talking about some of the sort of scenes and personas you do. So you do a lot of, like, you do, like, top... Was it Dom Bottom stuff? Yes. You you act as a locked Dom, which is the first time I've ever seen that, and I think that's fascinating. And you also do a lot of, like, bully nerd roleplay sort of stuff. Yes. Uh, These are all accurate statements. So, so for me, that like definition of a dom bottom, Mm -hmm. and this is again one of those things where it gets wibbly and it feels very on theme and on brand for the cat. Is Mm -hmm. I will describe myself as a dom bottom who bottoms in dom sub scenes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I. Like, in my mind, like, a, a dominant is somebody who is very, like, this is the thing that is on the menu today. And and I think I, I hear the term, like, topping from the bottom mm-hmm. and in, like, a, a derisive way in the in the leather community. Oh, yeah. It's saying, like, the bottom's too bossy. Yeah, a bossy bottom. That's right. And I think there is some validity to that statement Mm -hmm. you know if you are clearly stating what your expected role is and you're not matching it then you know there is something to be said about you know well you're not doing the thing that you said yeah but i think it also kind of erases the the option of the opposite of you know maybe it isn't that they aren't fulfilling their role maybe it's just that they don't realize that the role they want isn't the one that they've signed up for. Yeah. And uh, it's like, yeah, because again, the kink communities are full of archetypes. And if you don't quite fit into one of the most established ones, it can be quite hard for you. And there can be a bit of friction. Yeah. And and I think especially the, the what I call the, the new generation, they tend to be a lot more kind of accepting. Yeah. But they aren't always participatory so you know it's it's one of those you know you're welcome here but i don't want to play with you yeah, yeah. it's Which very is, conceptual these days it's, yeah. it's the concept of openness without the execution in some cases I, I mean like when it comes to to things like your your sexual preferences i think it's totally valid to say you're welcome here i just don't want it i just i'm not into your thing personally you know you're you're welcome in this space. I I will advocate for your right to be in this space, but I I'm, I'm not going to play with you. Like I think that's a wholly valid position. Yeah. And I don't think it's as performative in in the in the younger generation as it is in some of the older generation. Uh cuz the older generation tends to be the ones who would say, "Oh yeah, uh you're totally welcome as a cat in this puppy group." As opposed to the younger generation who would say, Oh yeah, that's weird. No, yeah, we should totally be a pet group. Yeah, it's about making more active changes and active inclusion. Because you know, I can see a lot of fun being like a cat in a dog mush. Yeah, that's that's a question I get a lot. Is you know, if we have a mosh, how can we make it more appealing to cats? And the answer is, let them know they're welcome. Let and them know it's boxes. for boxes too. 
Like, yeah. cats don't really need any special gear. If they ha- want a specific toy, mm-hmm. they can bring it. But the important thing is the space. Because a, 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 how a cat interacts with humans or, or, or puppies mm-hmm. doesn't require anything special other than just acknowledging that it's a thing that is allowed. Yeah, like cat seems very much more an attitude thing than a gear and look thing. Yeah, there's absolutely the possibility of a gear or look mm-hmm. thing. There's a there's a, a kinkster in Chicago. I think their Twitter is Wildcat Howl, who has some hashtag aesthetics. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. uh, they are Dom. They like Dom puppies. They are really into like hypno drone stuff like super villain latex oh, nice. stuff I, they, I i like them i like them a lot oh, they're, they sound they're great. amazing yeah so like it, it can be attitude but it also can be aesthetic it's just about what aesthetic you wish to choose like for me what i wish is that there was an aesthetic that was very in line and in theme comparable to the the puppy mm-hmm. like i want that full head identity masking compression sensory hood experience but you just don't get that with cats the closest is uh the mr b uh, or mr bear mr bear in canada produces a muzzle it's you know two straps one behind the head one over the top of the head and it comes to a muzzle uh, and it's got two cat ears on top but it's not it's not really the same. No, like the cats I've seen at the London puppy mushes, they basically wear the sort of fancy dress cat masks where it's that sort of domino mask, but with whiskers and maybe painted oh, white nice. eyes on it. So yeah, the, you're right. The type. Yeah. Yeah. Classic cat woman mask, which I mean, who, who the hell doesn't want to be cat woman? Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I... I, I Ali Berry, after the reviews. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the, the options, I, I, I used to say the options for, for cats are anime cat girl or cat woman. Those are your options. Yeah. There there have been some some things that have come up in the market since since I started, but none of them are quite what I've been, I've been really wanting. Yeah. Yeah, like... I'm sure at some point someone will develop a hood. And if they're listening and want to give it a try, I'm, if, you, if you're the first one to the market with it, you'll make bank. So, you know. Yeah, like, one of the things that's really hard is that it's really, like, I have not been able to find anybody who works with neoprene and does custom work the same way that people will do custom work with uh, leather. I've heard that's because neoprene can be a bit more difficult neoprene requires specialized equipment mm-hmm. and it, it requires a certain amount of not not like a, a different amount of skill just a different kind of skill yeah that, that i don't think necessarily translates over from leather yeah and i can see that there's a Uh, a craftsman in wisconsin p and c creations who did two of the leather hoods i have and i had at one point asked you know do you have any intention or thoughts about going into neoprene and he said i i've looked into it but it's so expensive just to get the special like equipment that it just doesn't make sense for me to do that and have this leather business at the same time yeah, I mean that makes sense. And but I really hope someone does pick up on this. So one of the things I would like to go back to is talking about being a locked dom. Sure, sure. Cuz a lot of people will be going, "How the hell do you do that?" Like, do you want to talk a bit more about that? Yeah. Uh so I think one of the things that I like really identify as being the core of like chastity is control of one's sexuality Mm -hmm. you know you lock us up because you want to control or emphasize your control over that sub's sexuality Mm -hmm. for me i like playing with that and instead of saying you know i want you to control my my sexuality 
what I'm saying is, well, if you're a good boy, maybe I'll unlock for you and give you what you really want. Like this, it's this extra added barrier to remind them who's in control of my sexuality. I love that. That yeah. is, that's an awesome way to look at it. Uh, Cause people never think about it in that way. And like, just as a barrier to the sub rather than the other way around. That makes so much sense. It it can also play into, you know, sub tops or service tops Mm -hmm. in which, you know, I can, you know, if I feel the the energy, I can say, okay, I'm going to give you my key now. And, you know, for the night. And, you know, it's not really about them gaining control as much as it's about them providing the feeling that I might be feeling at that time of wanting. It's about you granting access. Yeah. And that's where the, the, the whole like Dom bottom Dom sub wibbliness gets into play of the action on the outside looks the same, but the internal dialogue doesn't. Yeah. And internal dialogue can be, one of the most key parts to making a scene hot. So that that is fascinating, and I really hope people try that, like sample it and see more of it because I I find it fascinating. Oh, it's fun. Uh, it's also fun if we're doing like Findom stuff too. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Because uh, uh, I can be like my. My dick's locked, and there's a price for entry, honey. I love that. I now I'm just imagining someone building a chastity cage with a coin slot in it. <laughs> it should only take New York subway tokens, though. Really, take that barrier to entry. Oh, that's awesome, and that is definitely a step above just sort of pictures of your middle finger and the soles of a foot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, this is the thing. Like we've talked at length on this podcast about Findom. I quite like like the dynamic i just hate how basic most of it is when you see it in public yeah i i describe my findom style as somewhere between goldie hahn's character in first wives club and britney spears and the oops i did it again music video you know equal parts don't you want me to have something shiny and you shouldn't have uh, walks away and and again i can see that being such a cat-like behavior yeah, yeah. like uh, this cat thing it's a thread line <laughs> yes and there's one more thing i want to cover with that which is it's also you define it as part of your gender oh yes yeah, uh, so your how how is this pronounced xenogender yes uh, so crash course on the hashtag discourse. A lot of people have this impression that non-binary gender identities are about androgyny or about lack of gender. But I think for a lot of people, gender is like being blind, but being able to see like gamma radiation and then being asked to describe what you see. Right, I see. So the idea behind Xenogender is it's sort of, you don't, we don't currently have the common language to articulate what the gender is. Yeah. So you have to use metaphor and euphemisms. Yeah. Or so, it's like, so far outside of, uh, shall we say, mainstream experience that it's hard to use terminology from there to describe it. Yeah, xenogender doesn't mean like we think that our gender is alien or our we are aliens or something ludicrous. It's that our gender experience is alien to our language. Yes. Uh, and so you, so, <laughs> so you have to use like metaphors. Yeah. To try and get the under Yeah, so it's like as you say, trying to describe if someone's never seen like the color yellow. You can't describe yellow, but you can say it's association. So you can say like yellow's a warm color and it's a happy color, but you'll never get the person to visualize yellow in their mind without seeing it. Yeah. Or, or uh, and here's the other thing is it's also like someone having 
seeing yellow their entire life, mm-hmm. but not knowing it had a name. Right. And then once you, because that's what it was for me, I had frequently, like, as I was exploring my non-binary identity, I, just being, you know, I I don't really feel super attached to masculinity. <laughs> and I, yeah, I told my friends, I feel more connected to my identity as a, a kitten, uh, a kitten human animal role player than I do to any idea of, of gender. And then I was looking through the pronoun roles of trans YouTubers <laughs> discord. And one of them said, Nyan Nyan. And I was like, wait, what? And, you know, three Google searches later, I am posting on Facebook. Oh my gosh, I f- there's a name for it. So like for me, I, I I know many people almost require there to be some form of dysphoria for, for their gender identity. But for me, what I prefer to even think about it for others is rather than focusing on what things make somebody feel bad, to focus on what gives you euphoria, what things make you feel affirmed, yeah. validated, real. And you know, when when I have vanilla friends in this small town refer to me as kitten, like it I have an emotional reaction. <laughs> and and I just don't think that like most people who don't have any struggles with their gender can understand that. And and that's why I think it's hard for, for people to visualize, conceptualize and, and accept something like a xenogender as being real, that there's all these arguments, like, you know, if it's the same as just saying you're a Lakers fan, it's just an identity. You're just, you're, 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 destroying the utility of language all these things are just dumb dumb arguments yeah like people really don't think about their gender unless unless they feel disturbed by it and that's a shame because i think if people actually took even 10 minutes to try and think about what gender actually is it it becomes a lot more complicated immediately yeah, I think most people understand intuitively, even if they don't have the language, what gender is, and they can immediately identify when something violates their understanding of gender. But most people live their lives without having to confront anything that that threatens that idea. And it's one of the reasons why you know, trans people, yeah, even binary mm-hmm. trans people, are so... I don't want to necessarily say controversial, but uh, revolutionary maybe. Yeah. Is that they, yeah. there's this requirement that people come to terms with their understanding of what is gender? What is sex? Is there a difference? I think a lot of conservatives incorrectly, whether maliciously or ignorantly, conflate gender and sex. And, you know, you can't ch- change your gender. Your gender is given to you, you know, by your genes or whatever. And it's like, well your sex is but not your gender gender is assigned by what we yeah like like you 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 take a time machine and spin a globe and land anywhere in time and space the culture is almost guaranteed to have something at least one small difference on what it is to be a man versus a woman and you might even run into one that has three or four genders yeah like the thing is gender what we call gender i think is actually composed of several components because obviously like you know there's the biological sex which inform which does inform it but doesn't rule it there's also like your internal compass of saying what you feel inside but there's also the sort of active conversation and back and forth with the rest of the world of how your gender affects how you interact with people and how, yeah, like, you know, it's that, oh, who was it? Is it? Was it Judith Butler whose whole thing about was gender as a performance? I think so. And it's like a role you perform and you understand that as this is your gender. This is how you play that role. It's very possible. I'm yeah. admittedly not well read on my theory. It's but mostly yeah. just 
what I've experienced, what other people have, you know, related to me, because honestly, that feels a little bit more real. Mm. Like even, you know, Judith Butler, it's a woman who lives in a society that has certain expectations about women, but I don't know if somebody who has never had to really like examine and pick apart and dissect what their own gender is in order to find what, 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 who they are. I don't know if they can really understand that experience. Yeah. I mean, I think more people would question it if they were just given the space to, and like the permission to. Yeah. Speaking for myself, I had a period where I was questioning my gender because this was in the process of me accepting that I was demisexual. And part of that, where I went through, well, if I don't interact with the way world in you'd expect a man to typically sexually interact with the world, and the way my sexuality and libido works, does that make me a demi-boy? Because I feel like I'm a man, but because I'm not fulfilling these societal expectations, that makes me feel like just man minus something. But, yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. So it's sort of, and this is the thing, it's all this interwoven tapestry that can get quite complicated if you start looking inside yourself. And I think it also gets complicated when you start Mm. putting expectations on other people. And even more, when you start putting those expectations on yourself. I, I, I am a big, like, proponent of the idea of you, you just are who you say you are, and I'm Mm -hmm. not going to argue about it. If you don't match what I think or what my concept of whatever your 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 identity is is your whatever your stated identity is, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because that's not my yeah. place. Yeah, like I am not the grand arbiter of what it is to be a woman. Like that's not for me to 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 judge on people. That's a, a very personal decision, uh, and I think a lot of queer people fall into this trap also with the sexuality of, you mm-hmm. know, if a man kisses, snuggles, ha- even has sex with another man, and then they say, well, you can't be straight, but he does identify as straight. You know, maybe that's not what straight looks like to you, but it is to that guy. Yeah. It, 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 sexuality, as I've got older, I've realized is much more complicated, even for people who feel they naturally fit into a certain box. Yeah. There's always exceptions to the rule. I, I always say labels should work for you. It shouldn't be the other yeah. way around. Yeah. You know, along along the lines of the kink thing at the beginning is, you know, you shouldn't, a person should not feel like they have to twist themselves to fit an expectation put upon them by other people, mm-hmm. yeah. real or perceived. And I, And I think that, is the biggest takeaway I think we can get from this interview is just, you know, like to be trite, just be yourself and don't, and actually forge your own path and find a place where you fit in. And if you can't make one, because. And, and sometimes making a space doesn't look like building a house. Sometimes it looks like kicking down the door of the house you should be living in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So one last thing, you do game streaming, adult yes. game streaming. So where can people find you if they want, want to do that, want to see sure. you? So the probably the most consistent way you can find out where I am is via my Twitter. I've I've been using a couple, like I'm on my second site because my first mm-hmm. site under for Yeah, because you, you can't use the big ones like tr- Twitch. Right. I was originally on a site called Plexstorm. That has since vanished from the internet. I'm currently on a site called ePlay. I I am under the name Felinix, F-E-L-I-N-Y-X, uh, on there. And uh, on Twitter, if it, it is like even even better way to know, you know, am I still on that site? Because I I sometimes forget. I sometimes enter in the status and hit forget to hit send. But I, I try to always post on Twitter mm-hmm. when I'm going live. And that Twitter is at F subversus. So that's F like Frank, 
S like Sam, U, B like boy, V like Victor, E, R, S for Sam, U, S for Sam. Cool. I will put that in the show notes. Yeah. So people can find you there. And obviously... And yeah, what it is, mm-hmm. which I think is what I got distracted from, uh, what it is is... What it is is... What I do on these sites is largely just play video games like you see on Twitch, mm-hmm. but in various stages of undress, depending on my mood, depending on you know if somebody tips me. Often in a cage, I've got mm-hmm. two cameras, one on my face and one under my desk. Sometimes I'm wearing shorts, sometimes I'm wearing underwear, a jockstrap. Sometimes all I'm wearing is a cage. Sometimes I'm not wearing anything at all. Really depends on my mood. Uh, but largely, I'm also just playing video games. It's like hanging out naked with your bro, playing video yeah. games on the couch. Yeah, that sounds really fun. It's kind of the kind of the vibe I'm going for. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes I jerk off. It's it's you know, brilliant. It's it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the world needs more fun as right it now. should be. Yes. yes, no doubt. So this has been fascinating, and I think we got a whole lot out of this interview. And I'm sure we'll have you back sometime. And you know, if if you've been listening to this and it's chiming, and it's like, I want to be a cat, or I am a cat. How do I express a cat? You know, find the others. There are others, and just forge your path and. Like will attract like, I think. I use, I, I try to use the hashtag kitty play on Twitter. So I don't know yeah. how many other people use that, but. Um, well, no, now they know. If if you want to find other people, use the hashtag kitty play. Uh, and I always, I always, not always. Mm-hmm. I try to always do hashtag kitty play, pet play, and pup play. Because it, it's this weird space mm-hmm. where. I am ostensibly part of the pup play scene, but only mm-hmm. because that's the word that's being used for the yeah. pet play scene. Yeah. And sometimes I'm mean to dogs too, so it's fine. <laughs> and I'm sure plenty of dogs love it when you're mean to them. Oh my gosh, yes. There's this <laughs> yeah. super cute little nerd <laughs> in Chicago. And they they just want me to sit on their face while I play video games. Ah, love it. And it's great. Space space cuckoldry is a thing that they they have described. Where I just like come stay in their room use and their like space. use their space. Yeah. It's so much fun. I get that. that's cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. Yeah, so listeners, uh, thanks for having me. Yes, no, brilliant. Anytime. And as I say, I want to have you back on because I think there's more we can talk about this. Sure. I will probably always have time. Fantastic. Benefits of living in the middle of nowhere (laughs) during a pandemic. (laughs) Benefits of doing finger quotes. Yeah. Doing finger guns. So yes, listeners, if you've enjoyed tonight's show, I please ask you to check out our Patreon. Possibly consider supporting us. If you do, you get access to bonus episodes and our Discord, which is great. We do regular chats on there. It's been popping off lately so yeah just check out our patreon at patreon forward slash kinky boys podcast i've been craig and i'm arizer and as always good night and play safe